All right, we're going to call this meeting to order because oh. I think we have a quorum already. Yes, we do. All right, it is 4.01 p.m. And this is the June 16th meeting of the Senior Center Commission, the Center Commission. Um, the first item on the agenda is introductions and welcomes. It's oh, hey. It's an option. Um, yeah, just you have a seat. To, if you'd like to seat, sit there and okay. if Jeannie we'll shows up, then we can move Jeannie's her name tag. But name tag over. We're going to start on this way and work our way that way. That way you guys can learn who all of us are. <laughs> Starting with Kristen over there. I'm Kristen Crumray. I'm the operations assistant here at the Senior Center. <laughs> well, Tasha Deloach. I'm the Senior Center coordinator. Glad to be here. Welcome to everyone. Paula Vaughn. Oh, we do need to use the microphones. It's it's not just so much for us, but it's also for people who are listening that may have some hearing um, issues. So I apologize. I will repeat myself. I'm Latasha Deloach, Senior Center Coordinator, um, and welcome to everyone. Paula Vaughn, member of the Senior Center Board. Angela McConville, member of the Senior Center Board and chair this year. Linda Vogel, member of the board this year. Karen Page, I'm a new member of the board. I'm Lindsay Glenn. I'm a guest for today's meeting. Uh, I am the executive director of Abbey Health Aging Services. Doug Cordy, member of the board. Um, I'm Lindsay. I am a school social work student that is with Jeff this summer. Jeff Kelbach, Aging Specialist with Johnson County Social Services, and I am too a guest. So thank you for having us. Thanks for being here. Okay, we're going to move on to the second item on the agenda, the minutes of the April 21st, 2022 meeting. Can I get a motion to approve the minutes as written or any comments or changes you would like to make? I would recommend approval as written. Okay. Do I have a second? Second. Second. Awesome. Um, if you approve the minutes, say aye. Aye. Anybody have any unapproved unapprovals of the minutes? Say nay. Woo! It's passed. Okay. I'm really good at this part. <laughs> I'm so glad that most of the time there aren't any guests. These are all my friends, by the way, Jeff and Lindsay. So we can, yeah, be extra. <laughs> friendly and and they should they are not intimidating people so uh, agenda item number three public discussion for items not on the agenda this is was added um, or this is an item if anybody from the public were to, were here and wanted to speak about something that wasn't listed which we don't have any members of the public here so we will move on um, agenda item number four, this has been brought up a couple times in the past, started by Doug, um, but low income senior community resources. Um, so we've just kind of started the conversation about um, low income seniors and how, what impact and um, things that the senior center does to help uh, connect low-income seniors to resources in our community. And so we, I have invited a couple people here. So Lindsay Glenn from Aging Services and Jeff Kelbach from the county um, to just kind of give us um, a brief overview or answer any questions that we might have of low-income seniors and how we manage that here uh, between Iowa City, North Liberty, Coralville, the county at large, um, and who tackles that? <laughs> if anybody, Can you do an overview yeah. There, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, um, happy to discuss whatever anybody is interested in learning about. But I think Jeff, in particular, uh, is a really great connector. Um, so maybe you uh, you start. Sure thing. Um, so I, I think in my role, the you know big reason this role was created as aging specialist at the county um, about four years ago is you know there was a reduction in some of the um, services through long-standing providers in the area. The need certainly was not decreasing though. Um, so they wanted to have somebody that uh, can answer questions more than just answer and provide information referral, um, be able to assist people with applications, 
going through those different steps because it can be a little daunting and some of the applications can frankly just they're they're long um, it's confusing to know did I do everything right um, what am I supposed to do once I have it done so just trying to have that person who can really help them out um, I, I do want to mention another big agency is Heritage Area Agency on Aging who's a great tremendous resource in our um, area here. They, they serve a seven county region, which includes Johnson County. And I, I would say that some of the things that I do um, very much complement um, their services. And once again, I mean, programs like the Senior Center, um, programs that um, Lindsay provides through Abbey Health Aging Services, they're all just wonderful resources. But I don't know if there's a specific question like how do people find out about certain programs or I mean because that's it is it is tough to figure out like what may be what may someone like myself be eligible for how would I find out um, and, and if that's the question which I just made up <laughs> I, I suppose the answer generally is is talking with um, generally heritage or myself to kind of get started now there may be other agencies um, you know that could certainly help people out that provide certain services but I think we're able to try and figure out wh what kind of issues are you dealing with as a whole where might we um, have some good referrals go out to which referral sources do we really need to help you out with getting connected a little bit more so than others um, you know like if somebody's in North Liberty they need transportation it's pretty simple to connect them with Angela for instance um, she'll get them um, you know the application she'll actually go out to you generally and get the application done um, make sure that you're all set up and know what to do and who to call simple same thing with Lindsay I mean somebody needs lawn mowing service snow removal service adult day services I'm using, I'm telling you everybody everything you do then. Transportation. Um, they have a different transportation program. So trying to understand, I mean, everything's so complex. Transportation in and of itself could be a whole conversation here, right? Because mm -hmm. for a lot of our lower income individuals, um, that is a barrier that they incur is how can they get from point A to point B? Is it a medical appointment? Is it the grocery store? Um, is it another essential service or something they want to just do? And what, what can help them get there? That, there's, there's, there's a few different providers out there and trying to understand um, what each one can do and how that might fit into um, you know, their needs is, is kind of important. So we try and break those kinds of things down. Last time we had talked about um, communication, how we get information out to seniors, how they can access information and, and know where to go. Um, and I just had mentioned you guys, you and social services has kind of like a, a web page with you know a list of resources but um starting that you know the senior center being web page probably not being the appropriate place for that but to how to push people to that resource or sure. you know how how to connect people that might not have the internet you know to to you is there yeah um, so if somebody does have internet access once again Heritage Area Agency on Aging, they have, um, they're part of Lifelong Links, which is a statewide um, directory of resources. More um, just Johnson County-wide, you're right, Social Services has a tremendous resource directory that Jessica Beck and our General Assistance Program maintains. Um, it, it, it encompasses a lot of different areas. Older adults is one of them. And then through Johnson County Livable Community, we have mm -hmm. um, a we have a service directory there as well. Um, it tries to drill down a little bit more. Might be there's there's a lot of information in both of those resource directories, um, but those are some ways that people can if they have that technology. If they don't have that technology, simply just picking up the phone to call Heritage or calling Social Services will generally help people get connected to what they're looking for. I mean, if we're not the ones who provide that service. We hopefully can find out who it is. I mean, generally speaking, if we know of a service, um, we're going to get them connected. We're going to get them set up with the service that they need. It's just sometimes there are gaps um, in some of the needs out there. That's one of the questions I have because I now I'm showing apartments for my son, so I run into some people that are really in need and they can't use a computer. They are totally lost. Thank God, some churches are working with them, and I met a lady with goodwill who was helping a man go through things. But there is that group. I don't know if it's 500 people in town or 100 that literally are totally lost. 
their neighbors aren't going to help them because a lot of them are reckless. They're just going to stay in their house until whatever happens. So how do, how do we reach those people? Is there, is what I'm thinking, if you are a citizen of Iowa City, you're registered, right? No matter who? Registered maybe? for? For registered as far as, as being a citizen of Iowa City, like we're registered. Oh, if you're a, I mean, if you're a resident, I mean, as long you're as right. you got some mail in your name at a house <laughs> or your name's on a, a lease or, or, <laughs> or something, you know. Because if I there's know a need to prove residency, I don't think a lot of these programs. No, they don't, but that's that. just it. I don't know how we reach those. I mean, I put one, frankly, in contact with the Goodwill lady I knew because I'd met her with another person, but mm-hmm. I think there's more out there like that. I mean, I always think of the homeless that are out there, but this isn't the homeless group, which mm-hmm. a lot but, of those get but help. But what you're saying might be a good start with um, when you're showing apartments and you see that somebody that's in need, if you've got information packets or something that you could say, you know, this, you might find some of this stuff information, you might find some of it helpful for the... We would love to do that. The state of Iowa's real estate laws on showing rentals is, needs to be redone. There oh, you are, can't do that? No, you can't do anything. But the only reason I was able to do it was the lady from Goodwill was in the parking lot and I went over and talked to her and I said, would you do me a favor, go talk to this person, I think they're totally lost. And she immediately went in and talked to him. You can't, it's Iowa laws. Sure. Which I'm gonna complain about that and whine about it for the next year because it just <laughs> irritates the heck out of me that you can't do that. Yeah, I think one one important thing to note here that I'm hearing that that is really really beneficial and part of how we communicate to to older adults uh, that are low income is that if they are connected to one service we can make things happen from there, right? So if if they get connected with the center, Latasha is going to be able to point them right. in the direction of Jeff. Um, if Angela heritage or heritage or heritage, or heritage. absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, so one can one connection means multiple connections, and I absolutely agree that it takes a conversation um, because what we find when somebody is calling for resources or information on how to receive assistance. It's not just one thing that somebody needs assistance with. They need five different things. Exactly. And they need to also talk through um, the emotional uh, component that goes with along with that of being isolated or caring for a loved one, right? And so what I'm hearing you then say is, what are those people that are not connected to even a single service, right? And I think that's a conversation that we continue to have as as professionals in the field. How do we make sure that how do we really reach those individuals right. that don't have a single service yet? And I and I don't think that there's a there's a clear answer yet, but something that we are absolutely dedicated to. And I think one of the things that I'm most proud of uh, the providers in this room is how well connected we are so that when we're working through a scenario, we can say, hey, I have this specific thing happening. I need to brainstorm how to solve this issue. We can do that without duplicating that effort. Yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. Well, now I know I just have a side conversation with somebody that when I'm not there with them and say, can you just, somebody go check on them, which is fine. And I do know, I realize, I mean, there's tremendous resources, like you said, in this town to do it. It's just connecting them. And some of these people will have mail in their mailbox outside their house for a week and you think it's vacant and it's not. They just don't even go out and get their mail. It's just... You think about what that person's life has always been or what it used to be might be great, and now they're just, it's awful. One of the things that I found to be successful is sending out information with Meals on Wheels. Again, it's not going to hit everybody, but it's going to be an outlet to, to reach a significant portion there so that if there's lawn mowing services, lawn mowing is coming up, hey, uh, be sure to apply. Yeah. Yeah, but Linda, I think you've hit one of those really difficult groups that we don't know how to connect with them, the ones that we can't reach. And and I think, you know, we try and make sure that people hear, hey, you know, know that we're out here so that the general community knows that. But it's hard because general communities, you know, 
there's so many programs, right? Depending on if they're dealing with kids and they're like, oh, they're really in tune to you know those types of programs. So I mean, in this community, there is a wealth of information, a wealth of um, services, but you're right. Trying to get those people that don't know about those things connected or if they have any connections as far as neighbors or friends or any family, making sure that they may know about us to help connect them because that person probably doesn't have technology. Right. Mm -hmm. um, they don't. And, and you know, it's not like there's the phone book has a lot of information for me to go look through and go, oh yeah, I can. that's who I'm gonna call. Um, so that is just, I, I, we've, we've struggled with that. I think I've talked with all of you. I think we've, we've had these conversations before when we were talking about through the pandemic. How do we reach people and make sure that they understand that we have, um, you know, th that there are vaccines available to them um, to make sure that they know. Do they have limitations of getting out of their home? Can we help get the vaccine to them in some way? But you know, we, we try and grow our list, but it, it just is a constant struggle. We really just need the whole community in a sense to, to help out with just connecting us to those individuals. And even then, the person needs to want the help. And we find that is another barrier, right? People yeah. sometimes just don't want it. Can I, <laughs> this is a radical, mm. crazy idea. I'm sorry, Paula, did you want to say something? Well, I've got questions. Do you oh, want to okay. say something? Oh, okay. I just had a, off of something you just said. Sorry, I had an no, epiphany go moment. go ahead. <laughs> um, have we ever thought about using the telephone book? Doing because what? a lot using of what? these, what? like the actual white pages, because a lot of these folks, they do have landlines, huh? and they might not have a cell phone. They might not have these other things, but like, honestly, we could just call them. Just, I don't know why just they just... by default, the phone book has been narrowed down to people yes, who don't maybe. have cell phones. Exactly. And, and most of them, oh, you at least it have... It took me a second. <laughs> Sorry. But I'm just saying, like, if yeah. we just... We might be able to reach some of those folks if we, you know, pulled it together to just reach out. I mean, some of them are going to be folks in different age groups that still have a house phone. But the likelihood... Right. You know, are partnering with Mediacom and helping us to narrow down... A certain age bracket and we can kind of figure out the you know i mean they're public numbers so they could be able to attach it and say well we can't tell you the names but you know here's a list and you'd almost have to wonder if there's like a student group out there looking for a project because i'm not convinced that we as nonprofits have the capacity to call mass numbers no i mean um, I but if we would if but a, i just thought about that like, yeah if yeah. a student yes. group made that initial connection mm -hmm. created that database and then the nonprofits or resource professionals or whatever took those referrals from that student base to say hey um, and to reach out with specific And it doesn't even have to be a student answers. group. I mean, it's a, it's a telephone book, and those numbers probably haven't changed in 20 years. Like, you know, honestly. And if they call people and say, hey, we're just reaching out. We're trying to reach out to older adults in our community to make sure they have at least one service connected to them that's getting it. I mean, that could be life change for, I mean, I'm sorry, I just heard you say telephone book and I was like, yeah. oh yeah, we do get that sometimes. Like, but the reality <laughs> is, is that those folks have landlines. Yeah. Even if they don't have anything else, they have landlines. Okay, I'm done no, talking. And keep mine next no, time it comes good. in, so pitching it. Yeah. We literally just talked about reaching people, the unreachable. That was one of the things on the list from our meeting on Monday afternoon. So reaching the unreachable, Sorry, I like that for a time. Yeah, yeah, just like identifying people who have not been reached yet. So, I mean, that's an idea. We were trying to find. Something we could tackle. Another thing, so I can boil down the assessor's um, home ownership web, you know, database to, let's say, people who have who have owned their home since 1970 and haven't sold it since then. You know, that could be a group of people but that we could. A large group of those are rental, renters, too. Yeah, I mean, I can't give you narrow, price. you could narrow down to. The other thing is maybe, I don't get the newspaper particularly much anymore, but I don't know that these people don't, but I'm sure some of their neighbors do. To get the newspaper to do an article to reach out to your neighbor, we need to put it back on the community to help. It can't just be us and it can't just be you guys. We need people in, now that the pandemic's over, because I've been at one place and this lady comes over and says, yeah, we haven't seen him in two years. And I'm thinking, oh, you guys, I hope he's still alive in there. It's like, you know, it's not one of our rentals, but it's in a, in a building next to it. And it's like, well, have you tried to reach him? No, he never talked to anybody. Well, maybe he would. 
if neighbors would take another step, not take ownership of it, but at least go out and check on their neighbor, there's no reason why they can't call in and say, hey, this person really needs help. But how do you get people to do that? You have to be, you have to have good neighbors. You have well, to have yeah. people, yeah, you have to have, I know, I know, we go through it all the time. Yeah. It, it drives me crazy. What's people, available for, for elderly people who just simply don't have enough money to pay their bills? Yeah, that's complex. Um, I wish I could give you this one simple, you know, silver bullet that solves all that. But in case you didn't hear the question, um, you know, what, what service is available to help individuals who can't pay their bills? So generally speaking, I try and find out their age, their income when I'm meeting with them. Kind of unusual questions to get into fairly early in a conversation, but they definitely drive a lot of that um, the programs that they might be eligible for. You know, are they eligible for Medicaid? And what programs through Medicaid? Because Medicaid in and of itself is vast and fairly complex. So is Medicare. Thankfully, we have SHIP counselors here at the Senior Center and at Mercy in Iowa City that can answer those questions because, boy, I don't want to do that, and nor do I think I'm more qualified than they are. They are just great experts. Um, but looking at Medicaid, because what if they're getting you know, $170.10 taken out of their Social Security check every month. Well, that's a, that's a piece of money that they really could use back. If they're eligible for um, the Medicare savings programs through Medicaid, mm -hmm. that's one chunk. Um, do they need services now? You know, are they somebody who is at, who's eligible for an elderly waiver program through Medicaid? Well, that could be a big piece there because not only are they getting the Medicare savings program, they're also getting uh, secondary insurance through Medicaid after their Medicare. And now they've got a case manager who can help set them up with some services. Um, we start looking at food insecurity issues. Meals on Wheels, Doreen not from Meals on Wheels of Johnson County is a tremendous resource for us. Um, it, it, there's a misconception that that costs money, you know, that if I get a Meals on Wheels that I have to pay this amount of money. They will send a statement out every month that will have a suggested contribution for each meal. And if people are able to, we'd love to see people making contributions towards those meals that they receive. But, you know, we frankly work with some folks that they just don't have the financial means to make any kind of suggested contribution they're still entitled to get those meals. Um, I mean, that's where the community could really help out too. I mean, that, that is a, you know, it's a huge program where they're also getting some social interaction with somebody to come out to their home. And there's also a friendly visitor program through Meals on Wheels of Johnson County that is just a tremendous idea to have again in the, in the area, especially as we creep out of the pandemic and, you know, people have been so isolated. Um, try and look at transportation. What kind of barriers do we have there? You know, seats, paratransit, aging services, transportation. Um, if they're, like I said, in North Liberty, North Liberty TAP. If they're in Solon, there's some specific, you know, support programs there. Solon Senior Support, Solon Senior Advocates, Solon Senior Dining. <laughs> so we really are trying to figure out where are they? What do they have for income? What are their exact needs right now? And what kinds of programs? It's generally piecing together hundreds of things, it feels like. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't even mention like LIHEAP, the Low Income um, Home Energy Assistance Program through HACAP. That's a program that opens up October 1st for individuals over the age of 60. That is, I think it's vital for them to get on when they're eligible. And, and the eligibility um, in terms of income is, is raised up considerably this year. Um, so many more people are eligible for that. Unfortunately, we have to wait till October again to, to apply for that, but there's also some water assistance through there. If they're in the city of Iowa City, there's a water utility discount program. There's a lot of things. People just don't know about all these things. That's why we want to get them connected and try and figure it out. Even then, there's still going to be some issues, you know? I mean, I'm working with people that have $861 a month, $1,000 a month, $1,200 a month. You know, your rent, is going to take a portion of that and, and if they're not in a in a section 8 housing situation it's going to take a good section of that money out of there um, so it is difficult to make all these ends meet um, but we, we just try and utilize all the services that are available and make sure that they're aware of them when I when I get connected to these folks There's no cash that they're going to be able to get any program that will actually give them money 
Well, there are. Um, but not on a monthly basis. So, you know, sometimes things come up for folks. Um, you know, maybe they have some sort of a medical expense that they have, or there was some sort of unusual expense that month. Is there any program that helps people get roommates? Let's say somebody's lost a spouse and they might be even better off if they could get a roommate? You know, I kind of love that idea because the number of people I'm working with could really utilize somebody, especially when you look at the affordability issue of some of the housing. Um, but no, we don't have, I, I don't know of a program right now that exists that helps match up folks. And, and national it, programs for that, you know. Yeah. No, I, I really don't. I, yeah. But yeah. It, I mean, it's a brilliant idea because it is, you know, it, it, would, it would help with the isolation piece yeah. and give a, a form of socialization. A lot of people just won't do anything like that. They, they don't know yeah. how to do it and they, they're, they're a little nervous about it. Rightfully so, too. I mean, you know, moving in with somebody, you want to cultivate a relationship oftentimes. I know that, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Yeah, we're not in college anymore going to, you know, the dorms for the first year. You know, we're, yeah. you know, you, these are some older adults sometimes that if you set them up with the wrong roommate, that roommate could potentially prey upon them. Now, I don't, I would hope that we don't have people that are unethical like that, but they do exist. and in places even, even some old older people they do, they don't know about uh, uh, the program where you can uh, uh, get the reverse mortgage and sure they, and a lot of times that would that would be all they would need really reverse mortgages they're, they're worried about inher uh, the inheritance they want their children or grandchildren to inherit their house yeah and so they don't want to do the reverse mortgage but that would that would solve their problem yeah, of course, if they're very old, uh, reverse mortgage is kind of a uh, complicated thing because they might not live long enough to make it worthwhile. Yeah, reverse mortgages are certainly something where the person needs to get some really good education about um, the advantages and, and the pitfalls um, and, and how it may work out for each situation because it really is an individualized thing that you want to look at. I think part of it does depend on family situations as well. Um, but yeah, it, it is a resource that's out there for folks. It is harder to find local um, people to work with. In fact, I don't even know. I think the closest place you might be able to work with somebody is in Des Moines. Um, reverse for reverse mortgage, there's nobody locally that I'm aware of. Um, there was somebody in in Cedar Rapids, but I believe that well, position was eliminated. It, it is national organizations, but it, a lot of people like to work with somebody locally. And and I mean, if you go through a reverse mortgage, there is a a heck of a lot of stuff they have to go over with the person so that they understand because like I said you know this is this is you know putting a putting a reverse mortgage on your home you're losing your home when that person passes but it does help them with the ability to stay there potentially yes yeah, it, can, it can be a great solution but as you're right it's very complicated yeah I do have a question what if going back to what Latasha said about the phone book is it feasible to set up a hotline that neighbors could call in anonymously and say so-and-so that lives in such and such place really needs help, but he won't come to the door for us or anything. Somebody needs to come out and check him out. They may already do that in social services. I don't know. But where somebody could. Isn't that just a well check? It, that is. Huh? The police department do stuff like that? Yeah. yeah, if people are calling. But I wonder how many people really actually. I mean, sometimes I think we just, not us, but. The city needs to re-highlight the stuff that's available and remember and say, hey, remember, if you've got a neighbor that you're concerned about, make sure you call them in because I can guarantee they're going to call them in. Because people in this day and age, it's not like the 50s and 60s when everybody took care of everybody in the neighborhood. With pandemic and everything else, people are still nervous about going over and doing things like that. And people don't want to get involved. You see that every day. And it's like... Yeah, but if that was your mother or your father or your grandparent, I mean, it you... sounds great, but you still can't make people. You can't, be, you know. But that isolates that person that is refusing it. So then you know you need to get somebody, a psychologist or somebody, somehow get somebody that knows how to talk with those people. If not, I, I realize there's going to be there's going to be people you can't do anything with, and that's really sad. But I would say the majority of people, if they just would take that one step forward and just let somebody help them i can say i get a lot of calls like that we're not able to it's difficult for us to go out right. if somebody says 
they aren't answering the door. Well, I won't have any authority to make them answer the door. I mean, if we think there's a legitimate risk there for that individual, I certainly would, um, you know, encourage people to do a welfare check from a police officer. They've done that for um, some individuals that have called in um, to me, and, and I've, you know, gotten those individuals in touch with the police. I mean, there may be times, too, if we know that there is, I mean, the one thing that neighbors may know is somebody may be a dependent adult. And if we know that they're a dependent adult and there is maybe self-neglect, and that's kind of what you're alluding to, the hard thing is proving that, you know, that somebody is self-neglectful. But if somebody, if, if that's a risk, um, you know, DHS doing a, a dependent adult abuse report is an appropriate thing. And also Heritage, um, their elder rights, um, an elder rights initiative, I'm not even sure I'm saying that right, but they have a wonderful staff that, it really deals with some challenging situations, um, you know, and, and may be able to help. But once again, with heritage and with services that, you know, get provided through social services, we have to generally have a willing individual, you know, if they're not going to be willing to participate with us, it, then it is like, then you start talking like, all right, do we have a mental health issue? Is this a committal? Um, it, it, these are hard things to prove, and, it, and especially if there isn't really good interaction. So uh, you definitely have identified some of the real challenges out there with some of these unreachable folks. Some of them don't want to be reached, or at least don't think they want to be reached. Well, that's where you get into the dementia and the, because we knew of that at where we used to live, that somebody can have, it's not that they don't want help, they have dementia and they don't realize. they they don't realize that and they're just in another world whether that or alzheimer's or just or they're scared that are scared. somebody's going to remove pride. them from the one place that they feel comfortable in mm -hmm. and know their routine it may not be a safe routine to you and i and then it gets to be the whole thing of can we prove that they're a dependent adult and they may be but it is a hard thing, um, and rightfully so. It should be a hard thing to prove that somebody is needing that service because we don't want people having their rights taken away left and right. You know, go, oh yeah, that person. Maybe they're just, you know, maybe that is just where they thrive. Is you know that they want to be isolated. I don't think that is a large majority of those that unreachable population. I just think it's probably some folks that don't have those close family members or have really any family or they're estranged from family. And, and have just really lacked some social skills and maybe just didn't have the opportunity to develop friendships nearby or the people that were nearby came and visited them and then they moved away and new people came in, didn't know them and they never, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen there. Yeah. Can, I, can, I interrupt? <laughs> can I interrupt? Someone for clearly has dementia. Can't you call the health department and have them intervene? The health department won't be, depending on the um, Department of Human Services would be the agency you'd be looking at in that situation. And like I said, Heritage Area Agency on Aging could help out with that as well. I mean, DHS would have more of a legal um, ability to potentially do something there. We had a, I had an old man in my neighborhood who became extremely uh, demented. He couldn't find his way home. And we knew that he had gone to the, this Catholic church all his life, and we went to the priest, and the priest got him into a, a Catholic nursing home. But they, the, the church had completely ignored him up until that point. They had done nothing for him at all. And the, the, the odd thing was that he had no relatives whatsoever, and he, he, his will was he was leaving his house to the church. So they had every, every uh, motive for helping the guy. Sure. Can we, Paul, I know you have a question. Paula. I'm oh, sorry, Paula. Paula. Now yeah. I'm feeling no, like possible company eating. I do have a couple questions. I've been trying to get them in here. Um, anyway, no. Um, do you have any idea the percentage of people that have fallen through the cracks that have no connection to thing. services? I would say the majority of people, it's probably a small percentage of people that aren't being reached or you don't know. They don't know. That, that, that's, yeah, we have no idea how many people are not reaching. I wish we did. I wish we knew where they were because then we would reach them. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I think part of that is just because there are some people that are receiving services over here or over here or over here. It's hard to say who is not receiving any services. Right. So there isn't like a coordinated database that everybody works off of. So that, yeah, that was one of my other questions. So somebody who needs more than one service, 
if they get through the application process for one service, does that carry over to the other services or do they then have to apply each time? Mm -hmm. So what you're bringing up is essentially a platform and those platforms do exist. Um, there are a couple of different ones and what we have found um, is that uh, it's pretty complex and complicated, just like every other to topic that we're discussing, right? And and that's that some require providers to pay to be on that platform. Um, do they have the the financial ability to support that? And do we have one coordinated effort on one platform? Because there are multiple platforms. And so you'll see some healthcare institutions, for example, go with one platform, and another healthcare institution go with another a different one. Yep. And so then you have a nonprofit stuck in there between that can't afford a whole heck of a lot. And so which platform then do they choose? And then you have one, one platform that has some of the providers, another platform having some of the other providers. Um, but in theory, um, something like that and a coordinated effort behind it absolutely has value in that in order to help address the navigation of the system, lack of um, really helping address duplication in services, and that communication between providers. Yeah, is that something that Johnson County would take on? Johnson County is part of one of those platforms called Unite Us. Um, we don't get a lot of referrals, and I think it's kind of some of the reasons that Lindsay's kind of mentioned it. I don't think all of those providers are in there. Um, we chose to get on there just to make sure that we're, you know, finding any way for people to reach out to us and connect to us. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that's something the county would be able to do. And, it, and like Lindsay said, what would be the structure be? How would we maintain confidentiality with, with folks? Um, and, and the difficult thing is so many nonprofits, they have, their funding sources require certain documentation, certain mm -hmm. um, programs to use. So them switching over to something completely different or trying to create something that's going to meet all those needs to abolish the other you know, programs that they're using, it can be kind of a duplication. And I'll say there's just not enough staff oftentimes at places to be able to handle all these different things out there it is just it's some real challenges the county would need to hire staff people to maintain it yeah. and promote it and keep it going and then there's a financial obligation when you set it up and all that stuff so it's just it's unwieldy almost and we just don't have the money here I and Jeff is just one person I I know we're thinking about all these ideas and man this guy works is he's busy so you know, you need more people we're in your job. Into cloning, but it's just not. to do what you're already doing <laughs> now. You know, you know what I mean. So, so we can come up with ideas to fill gaps and, and identify gaps, but that the 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 filling of those gaps is costly and time consuming. So, we would love to do it all, but. Yeah. You want to finish your last two questions and then we're going to have to move along in the agenda because it's yeah. 440 <laughs> now and we still have like quite a few agenda questions. <laughs> <laughs> I have any others. Go ahead. Do you, do you have any more? Oh, I did wonder, um, do you get referrals from hospitals and doctor's offices and? And other? everywhere, yes. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I, it seems like that would be logical. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, they, they literally, I, I I don't know, people ask me where all their referrals come from, and well, Senior Center is a big one. Um, they are. Right. They are. They, a lot of, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people call here first, and that's great, and it's wonderful that they're able to help connect them. They do get them out to, you know, folks that hopefully can answer their questions, and some of the questions are, well, they're not answerable, or there isn't a service out there that's going to do what they're looking for. Um, I do have some folks looking for, you know, electrician specifically for older adults. And, and at this point, there isn't anybody that I know of that does that, but um, we, we help try and connect them to what we know about, you know, reputable contractors, for instance, um, through the Home Builders Association of, uh, well, Greater Iowa City Area Home Builders Association. They're just a good resource. They make sure everybody's certified and licensed, for instance. But yeah, stuff comes from all over the place hospitals and physicians, it's 
increasing dramatically, yes, over the four plus years I've been in the role. Well, thank you, and thank you for your work. Thank you for having us today. Thank you guys so much. And we have vacancies on the Heritage Area Agency on Aging Board. So if you want to talk about this, we are looking for seniors to serve on that board, I know, right? Yep, yep. And you can contact... Yep, it's specific to Johnson County. So the Johnson County Task Force on Aging has some openings where we're um, always looking for additional input to help drive um, some initiatives forward. And that's like, yeah, advocacy at the state level, um, older Iowans legislature stuff. So things on this level that you want, you know, if you want to continue this conversation, that would be a good group rather than this group. (laughs) And that one meets on the second Monday of the month at 2 p.m. So. Zoom or in person. And anybody watching, please feel free to contact us if you want to know more. Okay, so we will move on if no, nobody has anything else. Um, and you're welcome to reach these two folks, you know, via email or phone call too, if you have any questions for them. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you all for having us. Thank you. Yeah. All right. 18 minutes left. We're going to do it. <laughs> All right, Let's Latasha, you're I, next. Agenda item number five. Okay. Uh, Sandra, programming update. We had a wonderful member, volunteer, and donor event out at Terry True Blood. I think it was about 160 plus people came through. We had a couple food vendors and we had. Um, also, we had the ice cream truck <laughs> um, there, and then we just did some short speeches. Thank you to Angela for coming out and just saying a, a, a thank you to our participants. And it was a lovely day. It was hot, but we made it work, though. Like, you know, it was just so social that it was like, even though you were a little hot, just you got your food, you went inside, you ate your walking taco in the air conditioning and <laughs> listened to some music in the corner and chatted and saw people you hadn't seen in a while. So it was really good to get a nice amount of folks because we're so used to throwing big parties, you know, we're like 400 people. <laughs> so, you know, it, for us, it was great to just be able to do that, but really appreciate it. You know, everyone coming out, some of you all coming out, great to see you. Um, and as for other programming, we are going into our July, August programming is a little lighter than we we do because a lot of people leave for the summer, understandably so, I'm going to see family and vacations and stuff. So uh, we'll have some things coming up. We will be closed on August 11th for an in-service for staff. So we won't be open that day, it's a Thursday. Um, and I'm trying to think other programming things that are going on. Not much. <laughs> Not much is going on. We, we, we're working on a lot of internal things, of course, but um, that's pretty much where we are in regards to programming. Staff is still going strong, and um, we're continuing to have updates around the building. They're small, but you know, impactful uh, changes here as we continue to work towards our mission and our vision uh, statements. And um, just staff seems to be in, in a good place. Folks that are coming in, we're working on parking, parking. Hopefully. June, July, somewhere this summer, we will be back at having parking available for folks. So that'll be a really good thing. Um, They're completing that? Yes, they are fixing it. I think they're working on it now. They're working on it now, so hopefully it'll be done here in the next month or so. Um, As for a follow-up, I'm gonna skip down to master plan if that's okay. Uh, Follow-up to some of you all suggestions about discussing alternative locations for the senior center. We have began some of that. I just met with someone last week specifically to develop a online and paper survey to be able to uh, get out to folks as well as we will also be doing some focus groups about that as well as um, hopefully reaching out to folks about potential locations that it could be so we can at least give people a point of reference. Um, And so then we'll be gathering that over the next um, 10 months or so, pulling that stuff together and we'll have that presented. Um, The the thing we're working on right now is we're still um, trying to secure the contract for the historic preservation of the exterior of the building. Mm -hmm. Regardless if we go or stay, we have to do that as, Mm -hmm. you know, owners of this building from a city standpoint for safety purposes, we've talked about that 
till the end of <laughs> time. There's just some things outside the building, some cracks and different things that need to be updated. So that will be done. Um, but you know, we have a little time to gather information about what people feel like they want us to do. And um, I think parking is going to be a huge part of that decision. Um, but we definitely want to um, give it our all and get as much feedback from as many people as possible before that decision is made, um, especially before we invest millions of dollars in renovating the space. And then it's not really what people desire and see and want and need in the community. So um, those are my two updates on the programming end and on the master plan end. Um, but we are working through those pieces. And as we have more, I'll let you all know more. Um, there will be some um, presentations for, from some of our in-house agencies over the next couple months as we um, work through some contracts with those folks so that they'll give you an update on the type of services that they're providing so that you all know that um, the things that are going on within the senior center outside of just you know our other programming but what other organizations that are utilizing our space what they're doing too so we want to start including those annually so that you guys get an update annually about some of the things that they're doing so um, that'll be a different voice but it'll give you guys some good information about what's happening in the building so that's all I got is Jeannie gonna talk about VNA? I don't do know. Presentation. <laughs> we got all kind of connections. <laughs> but you can put a buck and ear was an email sent. We haven't heard back yet. <laughs> wait, wait, what? I said Dude. you can put a bug in, in, in your, uh, the supervisor's ear down there so that we can uh, hear back. She um, did she contact you? She hasn't contacted us yet. It's not a big deal. It just was sent out uh, like a couple days ago. It's not a big deal. I was like, if you hear from her, if you see her, tell her. Yeah, I'm because to find I her. should talk to her probably tomorrow yeah just tell her to look for an email from Emily look for an email from Emily yes. okay got it yeah. thank you for setting those up that'll be really yeah, interesting absolutely. and I love that doing that on an annual basis just yeah so we could just kind of letting know, us know what, what exists in this building that's being used mm -hmm. and yeah how we can help promote those things too absolutely all right are you everybody anybody have any questions for Latasha before we move on all right, so agenda item number six is the commission discussion. Um, senior center master plan discussion. There isn't really much to update other than what we've, you know, heard already previously about the exterior. So if you have any questions or comments. No? Okay. Um, commissioner's report of community correspondence. So this is the agenda item. I will explain it once again. We have a new person in the building. <laughs> so this is an agenda item we added. If you have any comments um, you'd like to make about something you did in, or saw in the community or something that you wanted to discuss, um, but we can't discuss it at this time because it's not specifically on the agenda. Let's say you wanna make an announcement of, of um, an event that you held or you wanna talk about that. Um, I know you had made the announcement a couple of times about the May event that you were part of. Can we talk about that? During that part? We can't talk about it, but you can tell us how it went. Did you get to go out to Public Works? To Public we Works? How oh, was yeah, it? Because we you there. guys were there. Yeah, yeah you were like, hey, well, I, I didn't see you. I was on the other side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were there. We were there. What did, what did you guys think of it? I was pretty impressed. Oh, it was lovely. Great. It was lovely. It really was. Um, I brought my kids and my, my nephew and my actually my sister was in town. And, and so they all went through a lot of the pieces, got to look at quilts and <laughs> roller skated as a disaster. But, uh, you know, my son climbed all the way up to the top of the fire. Did he? Thing. Oh. I was like, you go ahead. I'm going to stay down here. I'll take a couple pictures for you, but I ain't going up there. You should be glad that the day before they turned all the horns off and everything, they forgot to do it on the electric bus. Oh. And it started going off, and we could not get it off. And you've got it in oh, there no. going off. We had to go outside. Yeah, it sure. was oh, so bad. Oh, so loud. Oh, but no. I will, uh, kudos to anybody that works in the city. We had 20-some-odd guys that you could just see. We were telling them they had to put gloves on to put the quilts up, and you're thinking, they're just not going to do this. They started out. They observed what we were doing, and they came in. Pretty soon, they were telling us where to hang them. Mm. They were hanging them, but they go, you know, that color doesn't go Ellie's a go here with that color <laughs> and they were into it by the time we got done and that quilt thing that Julie pulled together we had 420 quilts yeah it was, and it was really impressive she yeah and the whole thing was I loved seeing all the city groups work together on that yeah 
Yeah. So, it but yes, it was, was it was a fun event. It was definitely it, pulling us all together. Some of us <laughs> kicking and screaming, but we made it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. It was a nice day too. It wasn't too hot. Mm -hmm. It was a little hot, but it wasn't. Yeah, but it, it wasn't, wasn't this week hot. We were pretty hot nervous that we were going to end up with being really hot in the building, but it didn't. That building. Oh, it's actually really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. building. That's true. But it, <laughs> but it was fun. Good, awesome. I know you could put a lot of work into that. So mm -hmm. we appreciate volunteers helping us put on events. That's for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, anybody have anything else they'd like to announce or bring up before we close? Anybody have any future agenda items they want to add? Only thing I would say is this is not an agenda item, but remember the Juneteenth and Pride are going on this weekend. Yes. So you can go out, get out to some events. I'll be at Jeans on Friday from 4 to 7. Feel free to stop by. You're going to be where? Jeans at The Graduate. It's a social networking. Oh, okay. Yeah, so come through, free appetizers, pay for your own drinks. But it's a part of the Juneteenth thing, and, and as well as the uh, downtown sundown. And then I know there's Juneteenth at Mercer Park on Saturday and Pride downtown. So it's a busy, 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 busy weekend. I'll be handing out T-shirts at Mercer Park on Saturday at 1.30 and hopefully catching the Pride Parade before that with my kiddo. So that starts at noon. Um, just so fun. Lot going on. Lots of good music. I, I was so band. upset that the Juneteenth and Pride overlapped so much this year. I know. Oh. I, 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 always, uh, yeah. I don't know what happened, but I'm going to do both. I'm going to manage to fit both of them in because the kids like to. It's good to see a lot. Of, hey, when did they put the red swings down on the Ped Mall? Oh, I think that was a week ago. I think yeah. it was like last Thursday. Those are fabulous. Great. Can adults use them or just kids? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yes. no, I've seen them. Next, next time we're going for coffee in the morning, yeah. we're going there. down there. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will tell swing. you, they're kind of narrow, so if, you, if you're trying to swing with a boo, be careful. <laughs> no, we just drink. It's <laughs> the max is 250, so that's like two people, oh, 125 yeah. pounds each. So, like, <laughs> oh, that is awfully oh, Yeah, that's that very so well, you I mean, might be on that swing alone. I would swing. be on that swing alone. <laughs> I love those. I, I did yes, not know they were doing they're... that. That's really cool. It's really great. I think it's called Mi Casa, Your Casa. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. And so they have some highlights on uh, affordable housing on, on down there as well. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So uh, I can't remember. I know the Community Foundation made some donations in, the, in, in collaboration with the, the Mi Casa, Your Casa is a part of bringing attention to affordable housing is kind of the theme. Oh, okay. Um, and so I think there might be some information down where there's more of them. Only ones I've seen so far are the ones by the library because that's where Because oh, the, oh, the only ones I saw were right by, um, oh, the Artists art gallery. Yeah, the yeah. artist yeah, gallery. Yeah. So there's other ones other places. Yeah, they're just, the, they're, I just know there's two over by the playground. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, over by, um, and so that's as far as I got because I had kids, you know, so yeah. they're like, we're not interested in that. We want to see what going on. <laughs> So that was, that is, I had some limitations. Cool. I love that, but I love the pet mall, so I could go there every day. Awesome. Or to the 34 coffee shops that are in town. <laughs> that, there, oh, yeah. there but no, no agenda items for me. It is. It's cool. All right. Well, we will go ahead and adjourn the meeting at 4.54, if that's okay with everybody. Yep. All right. Thank you. See you next I'm gonna go Thursday, July 21st at 4 p.m.